This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, steezy.digital and realnurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm here with Phil Scheinfeld. Thanks for being on, Phil. No problem. Thank you so much for having me. Appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So why don't you tell our listeners you know, where you're calling in from and who you are? So I'm in Miami right now. Uh, my name is okay. Phil Steinfeld. I run a, a team of about 10 people uh, at Compass Real Estate Brokerage. We're based in New York City and Miami. We just started a Miami team about last July. And I'm currently in Miami now for a few weeks. And then I'm going to head back to New York you know, for summer. And you gear up for the, you know, what's supposed to be a, a pretty busy summer market, I think. Yes, absolutely. Oh, you're catching Miami at the perfect time. March, April. Ideal. It's great. Yeah, I was I was out on the boat uh, on Saturday with a few friends celebrating, and it was like eighty five degrees, and it was it was awesome. Beautiful. So uh, can't complain. And, and they're open, which is great. Florida yeah. in general, right? And it's interesting. I was actually just at lunch with a client, and nobody's yeah. wearing masks. Like you know, in right. the hotel, people are walking around without a mask, which is you know a good sign to kind of where you know where everything is going. Um, yes. So hopefully, the you know the rest of the country will definitely follow suit soon. I think. Yep, absolutely. So from the beginning, what got you into real estate? <laughs> so it's actually an interesting story. So I was in college working on developing a geosocial networking app with a few buddies, kind of like Hinder meets Facebook, but like, you know, it would go off of where you were. And, you know, I was doing that for about six months. We were gearing up to raise some money and, you know, just kind of like a few people in my sphere you know, we're kind of saying, you know, Phil, you should really finish college. You know, maybe this isn't the right thing for you to do now, you know, and all of that. And, you know, I was thinking and I'm like, listen, you know, I, I'm in college and I ended up, you know, speaking to a lot of people kind of in the same field. And not that the idea wasn't a great idea, but, you know, a lot of people felt like there will be other ideas that maybe will be a little bit better. Um, so I decided to kind of scrap that and finish college. But while I was in college, you know, I, I kind of had a lot of free time on my hands and I wanted to, you know, do something kind of entrepreneurial. And I was watching, you know, one of those real estate shows, a friend of mine was going to be on it. And I was watching the show and, you know, I got hooked on the show and I started watching every episode. And, you know, I was talking to my mom and my girlfriend at the time. And, you know, everybody was like, Phil, why don't you do real estate? You'd be great at it. And, you know, I was kind of like, okay. And I, you know, signed up for the course and did it. And, you know, I never looked back and it's been, you know, almost eight years now in the business. And, you know, I love it. It doesn't feel like a job to me. It's fun. You know, I love interacting with people, meeting new people every day and kind of just being my own boss. And it's, it's great. I love that. So that's kind of how awesome story. Yeah. 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 Just kind of like discovered it one day, didn't think too much about it. And you're like, all right, let's do this. Right. 
Love that. And so today, you know, you have your own team and you're with Compass. So uh, what was your transaction volume last year? And then, you know, where are you at so far this year? So in the last four years, we've done about 300 million, including, you know, first quarter. So the last four years have been, you know, pretty successful, have been about 65, 70 million a year. You know, during COVID, where we were only really selling for nine months, you know, I was locked up in, in Long Island for three months. You know, we did about, I think we finished with about 50, 60 million, which was pretty big, in my opinion. And that was also our first, my first year of running my own team. But, you know, this year we're, you know, 56 million first quarter. We've done about 12, 13 million for the second quarter. And, you know, we're not even halfway through the second quarter. So, you know, I'm, I'm hoping to do, you know, 100, 150 for this year between Miami market and New York City. And, you know, I'm doing some deals in the Hamptons. I'm newly licensed in Connecticut, Greenwich. I have a closing in Greenwich June 1st for a, you know, small little house. So, you know, we're, we're kind of, we're everywhere. And, you know, I have referral partners in LA and San Francisco and Texas and a couple of referral partners in Europe, which is great. So, yeah, that is awesome. And, you know, it seems like your trajectory is definitely trending up, which is amazing. Team leader over there at Compass. And I'm curious, what is the single most important action that you take on a daily basis that you attribute most to your success? You know, I would say that every day is a new day and, you know, I have to focus on the business that I have and also focus on getting new business. So really just going out, meeting people. I try not to say no, you know, if somebody's going to invite me out to a party or a dinner, you know, maybe years ago, I would have been like nervous to meet new people. Now I'm just like, yes, let's do it. You know, let's, let's go to this restaurant with three people. I don't know. Let's go to this event where I don't really know that many people. And, you know, kind of the goal is to just go up to people and just, you know, talk to people and introduce myself and kind of get to know people because this is a people business, right? We're meeting people and we're kind of building rapport and building relationships with these people and, you know, kind of proving to them that I can add value. And if you use me to buy an apartment or buy a house, I'm going to get you the best deal and you're going to be super happy with what you buy. And then same goes for sellers. You know, when I'm meeting people and trying to get listings, you know, they're going to get that same aggression and hunger and tenacity that I can bring to get them the most money possible for their property. And that's, I mean, I eat, sleep and breathe real estate. I love to work. Again, I don't really think of it as a job. Um, right. You know, it's given me the, the ability to travel and network. And, you know, I can go to Miami, I can go to the Hamptons, I can go to the city, I can travel to Europe, which is great. I wake up every morning and, you know, I just speak to my team. I have a big team. So I would just say it's kind of, you know, reading up on information, reading articles, but I really kind of, every day is different, which is really why I like it. So it's really hard to say what's the one thing that I do. It's really kind of, I wake up in the morning and I look at all my emails and I see the important things that I need to do. And I do those first. And, you know, my day is, every day is a different day. So one day I'm meeting somebody, the next day I'm negotiating a deal, you know, the next day I'm having a phone call with somebody I've never spoken to before. It's, it's all different skills that really come into play to, you know, kind of be successful. I would say the common thread there is embracing what's uncomfortable though. Yeah. Because you, you mentioned in the beginning, it was uncomfortable to say yes, to go to a dinner party with three people you don't know. It was uncomfortable right. to call someone you've never spoken to before, but you went through that process of either reframing it in your mind or becoming used to saying yes to those opportunities and seeing them as opportunities. Yeah. Would you say that's accurate? hundred percent. And, you know, again, I've been sober over 10 years. So early Seven on- years for me. That's amazing. I love that. 
So, you know, early on in my sobriety, as I'm sure you can relate, you know, you're going out and people are drinking around you and it's, it's a little uncomfortable. And I think for me, it's kind of gotten to a point like I was on a boat on Saturday with some friends and they're all drinking and partying and having fun. And I'm like jumping up and down and, you know, I'm having a great time. And, you know, everybody's like, so like you're sober, like, and you're having fun. Yeah. Right now. Like, well, always shocked. And everyone's shocked. And I think being sober has forced me to put myself into these uncomfortable situations where it's kind of giving me an advantage because while I'm sober talking to somebody and they're not sober, it kind of gives me the ability to maybe talk a little bit more and be more open and, you know, not feel like I'm being judged. So it's, it's great. So no, I agree a hundred percent. Yeah. At first in sobriety, it was awkward because all my buddies, I was like early twenties, my buddies going out happy hour Thursdays, weekends. And I was a little bit uncomfortable with those different situations that I used to drink with them in. And then through, you know, just work on myself and making some new friends as well. Like I kept some of them, but some of those party friends were party friends and I needed to upgrade my circle. And so then later now, like in more recent times, I can be around it just, you know, last weekend had the fortune of going to a birthday dinner in San Diego with a bunch of friends. And then we went out to a nightclub after. Right. And it was great. Everyone's drinking. I'm dancing, having fun. Like, and they're always blown away. Like, well, you're sober. This is crazy. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, you're it right. Gets, you, it gets repetitive too. It's like, yeah, oh, yeah, oh, it does. Oh, yeah. yeah. I usually leave by the time people get so drunk that, that they just keep telling the same story. Yeah, but, yeah. <laughs> but in those moments, you're able to network at such a higher level. Yeah. Because you're not the one who's, you know, the drunkest one at the party or whatever it is. So yeah, it's it's a, a really nice advantage, a little subtle advantage that a lot of people, you know, don't consider. So I'm curious, you know, back on real estate, what is your percentage of referral business to new business? Referrals in my business is mostly referrals, word of mouth, friends of friends. I would say ninety percent is, you know, I sold an apartment to a buddy and his friend wants to buy or his friend wants to sell. I would say about 90% of it is like that. Um, 10% is, you know, through social media, through Instagram, through being out at night at a party with a friend and sitting next to somebody I've never met and striking a conversation with them. I mean, I sold like 12 apartments last year off of Instagram alone where, you know, somebody started following me. They know a friend of a friend who I sold an apartment to or a house to. And they messaged me saying, hey, you sold so-and-so a house or an apartment. Mm -hmm. You know, I want to buy. I'm looking in this price range or even I want to rent. You know, I mean, when I started the Miami team, you know, I think we did probably 45 or 50 rentals from July 15th to December 15th. And I would say 40% of that was people DMing me saying, oh, you started a Miami team. I'm looking for a rental for my mother-in-law. I'm looking for a rental for myself. You know, so really kind of churning those. But over the last six to 12 months, I would say mostly mostly my New York team, we've been pretty aggressive with going after expired listings. So brokers who have failed to sell an apartment. And then, you know, we come in and some team members, they're writing letters and they're reaching out on social media. And we've been really successful with that. We've gotten probably five or six deals done in the first quarter from from leads that we've gotten from expireds. So yeah, I mean, that's awesome. And 90% being referral, that's a huge number of, of your business. So what systems do you have in place to increase the amount of referrals that you get? I do a lot of targeted ads on, on Instagram, a lot of paid sponsored posts. Um, that to your sphere, like, yeah, like sphere. getting back in front of the people you already know. Yeah. Yeah. I have about, I don't know, 45,000 email addresses that I've had that I've saved over the years. And that list you know grows every day. Anybody that emails me, 
or anybody I email that that email address automatically gets added to my CRM system and nice. you know, gets blasted out with new listings and you know new achievements, new publicity. If I have you know an article that comes out that gets sent out to the clients, and it's really just kind of about staying in front of them. So it's while it's word of mouth and referrals, it's also people who I have their email and they get an email from me. You know, maybe twice a month or three times a month, and maybe it's like. Oh, Phil's email, Phil's email, Phil's email. But it's, they don't realize that six months later when they think, oh, I want to buy an apartment in a city, oh, I'm going to call Phil. So it's very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really smart tactic to just have every email that's inbound or outbound automatically added to the CRM. Simple. Yeah. yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, and I mean, I, and I, have a, I have a great team too. I have a full time assistant in, in New York and, you know, he, he runs Miami too. And, you know, without him, I don't know if I would be at the level that I'm at, but he kind of keeps everything together. He's the glue. So, which is super helpful. Yes. Assistants, especially a full time executive style assistant, it yeah. cannot go without him. <laughs> Where do you think the industry is heading? You know, what are your five, 10 year projections? Well, it's interesting. I would say uh, New York City real estate and I, even Miami real estate is very segmented. I think a lot of these big firms that are trying to kind of eliminate the broker, you know, they'll probably succeed in like under a million in the majority of America. But like the guy that owns five homes and wants to sell his $10 million apartment in the city, he's going to want to hire a broker, right? He's not going to do it himself. He's not going to use one of these big shops that are just listed and send the clients to see it by themselves. So I would say in the next five to 10 years, I think a lot of the, the smaller shops, the firms that don't really have the ability to compete, they'll either get bought or they'll close up. You know, I mean, Compass, where I work, we just IPO'd April 1st. You know, I think that we're going to be one of the big players. I think there's a few other broker brokerages in the country that, you know, are going to kind of stand out just because of their brand and how long they've been doing this for. But I think a lot of the smaller firms over the next five to 10 years are going to definitely close shop or sell to the bigger firms. Got it. And you think luxury is pretty much safe in that? Yeah, I think I think luxury, I mean, especially with COVID, you know, I'm, I'm talking daily with clients who are, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, it's an interesting thing. You've got a lot of people leaving New York to buy in Florida to claim Florida residency, but then you also have a lot of people who need to be in New York buying in New York because they think now is a great time to buy and they're coming back, right? Like their schools are starting to reopen and the families that left the city last March to go to their house in the Hamptons or Greenwich, their kids' schools are starting to open and they're going to come back and they probably think that their two-bedroom apartment you know, it's too small and they want a three bedroom apartment. And, you know, I think a lot of people also during COVID have made a lot of money in the stock market. So they have a lot of cash to invest. And, you know, I feel like people have been waiting for the New York City real estate market to kind of bottom out for a while now. So I think people really felt that COVID was that bottom. And now a lot of people are trying to get in and buy. And you can see, I mean, the Ultram report came out, you know, today showing that there was 47 contract signed above 4 million, which is like a, you know, an 11 week run of 30 plus contracts signed, which is the most since 2006, you know, the week before there was 51 contracts. So I think that that really shows that there's consistent buyers in this 4 million and up market. Other markets are different, right? Like 4 million is luxury in New York, but in other markets, you know, 1.5 million is a lot and a million is a lot. So it, it depends on the market. So yeah, absolutely. No, that makes sense. I'm curious, once you get a listing, how are you leveraging digital marketing to generate exposure and potentially new leads for your listings? 
So we have a lot of processes in place. You know, we get a new listing, we do photography. We usually, depending on the price point, we, we hire um, Lifestyle Production Group, who's, you know, they're a great videography company and they, they shoot amazing videos. You know, we do floor plans, we do Matterport, which is like those 3D tours. We do the full package for the listings. Mm-hmm. You know, we put them up on social, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, you know, on StreetEasy, MLS in, in Florida. Um, and, you know, depending on the listing, we do sponsored posts. You know, we email blast it out to all the contacts. And sometimes we do events, but because of COVID, we haven't really been able to do events. But, you know, we have, I was once selling an $8 million apartment in a building that had an Equinox. And we had an event where we had two massage therapists from Equinox come and, you know, give those massages while you're sitting. And, you know, we had somebody kind of talk about Equinox memberships. And you know, we have done events with Instagram influencers where we've had, you know, 20 or 30 people photographers and models and stuff come to the apartments and kind of take videos and post on their social medias. You know, we've done dinner parties and, you know, I mean, it's really, it's very tailored to the property. A lot of the stuff that we sell in New York is called 3 million up and those sellers and those properties kind of need more FaceTime. So we definitely, we put in what's needed. Yeah. Does that, does that answer your question? Yeah, That does. And, and the most unique thing that you mentioned was strategic partnerships. Yeah. Equinox downstairs, go have a conversation with them. Hey, you guys want to promote Equinox to my new potential buyers? And also, you know, you can go ahead and uh, give us a massage over there. <laughs> like, yeah. that's great. The Instagram influencers was awesome as well. I yeah. love that use of influence to especially promote a luxury listing because it's something that Instagram influencers want. They need amazing aesthetics, yeah. right? So if they have the opportunity to for free, go shoot content in a four or $5 million apartment in New York or more, they're going to say yes to that every time. So you don't need to pay them, I'm sure, right? You, you come up with strategic partnerships. You make yeah. sure that you're explicit about how they express the property in their caption, how they tag back to you, right? I'm sure that you know either your assistant or yourself, you come up with those influencer agreements. Yeah. And then, boom, you have hundreds of thousands of eyeballs on this amazing luxury property essentially for free yeah super innovative i love that yeah so is there anything else you know anything that you do for your clients that no one else does that you know of in the industry i told you that everyone would know (laughs) what do i do you know i mean we're i like to consider myself a one-stop shop so you know i get a buyer that comes into town you know wants to see 10 apartments we get the car and driver you know we stop for lunch we have them pick them up from the airport sometimes and just really like a full service, you know, kind of thing. And, you know, if they're coming to town for a few days and they're not familiar, you know, we can set them up with a list of, you know, restaurants near their hotel, shows, you know, stuff like that, and really kind of give them that full New York City experience. Um, I love that. But, you know, I mean, we do it all. You know, we, we coordinate movers. When you close, we, we coordinate movers. We work with designers that can help design an apartment furniture. You know, we have contractors on our Rolodex. We have architects, you know, some of the best. So it's really like, hey, Phil, I want to buy an apartment. I want to do a renovation. I want to do this X, Y, and Z. We handle all of it. They don't have to handle any of it. You know, we have a love that. everything. So that's, that's kind of, there's definitely people that do that. But I think that we, you know, we, I think we definitely do it a little bit better. So Awesome. No, and at the end of the day, it's the, you're understanding your client and what they want. What they want is to not worry about any of it because you deal with luxury clients. They have the means, they understand the value of their time. So they're not going to be 
asking you to cut your commission and trying to go in there and design things themselves. They're just like, hey, I understand you're the best person that I know to take care of this. And the fact that you also are going to show me around and take care of all these other things that I had on a list to not do myself, but find other people, that's saving me more time. Right. I love it. Let's do it. Where do I sign? Right. It's, exactly. Yeah. It, it, you're understanding the way to communicate with your particular client. Right. Is we're going to do everything for you. You don't have to worry about any of it. Right. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah. So do you have any failures in the past that, you know, set you up for later success? Is there like a favorite failure of yours? Favorite failure? Yeah. I mean, I think I failed a lot in my life and every, you know, the expression when one door closes, another one opens. I've worked for people, you know, in the real estate industry for, you know, the last eight years, I've always worked for somebody and, you know, I kind of, I wanted to do things a certain way and I wanted to kind of behave a certain way and be myself. And I think, you know, a lot of the clients that I work with, they want me and they like who I am. I'm a little, you know, a little wild, a little fun, but I know what I'm talking about and I, I'm good at what I do. And I think a lot mm -hmm. of the people that I had worked with maybe didn't like that. So, you know, I, I haven't worked with people that, you know, I've worked with people and it hasn't worked out. And, you know, I've, then I found somebody else and I've worked with them and now it didn't work. And, you know, everything I've done has led me to my own team, which has been the most fruitful and the, and the best thing I've done. You know, I get to work with 10 amazing people who, you know, I enjoy working with. They love working with me. We're kind of like a little family and that's kind of been the greatest thing ever. And, you know, when I fail, I get to fail with them. And when I succeed, we get to succeed and celebrate together. So it's, it's a great thing that I've got. I couldn't be where I am today without the team that supports me, you know, my manager and compass and my assistant and all the team, all the agents on my team and my clients and my friends. So it's, it's been great. Yes. No, it totally makes sense. And you seem like someone who has either read a lot of books or just put your head down and worked through it and made it happen. But uh, are there like one to three books that you would suggest that have greatly influenced your life or career? I don't think there's any books that have greatly influenced. You know, I'm not a big reader. I like, I listen to audiobooks. I read The Real Deal every day. You know, I read CNBC. I read CNN, you know, The Wall Street Journal. I'm a big reader of like those kind of short things. But, you know, to sit in front of a 200 page book and read it, I, I don't really think I can handle that. I have, I have ADD. I like, I like doing multiple things at the same time and, I like to, you know, read something, get some information and then move on to something else as opposed to just reading, you know, a whole book. There's right. a few books that I've read that I've liked, I'm trying to think. Ryan Serhant, who's a, you know, good broker in New York City who worked on some deals with. Sell it like Serhant. Yeah. I just finished reading his book. I consider him a, a great broker, a great person. You know, I've worked with him before and, you know, I like him a lot. And then there's, I think Grant Cardone released a book that I read. I'm trying to remember what it was called. But, you know. Yeah, I think that's what it was. But, you know, it's mostly just like scrolling Instagram, Facebook, and, you know, following these people and seeing what they post in their, their vlogs and just kind of getting that motivation and just, you know, finding it myself that I've come from come such a long way in the last 10 years. And it's just, that's the motivation. The motivation is to be number one. And I want to be the best broker in New York City and Miami. And I want to be happy. I want to do it and be happy. You know, there's a lot of these brokers who they're successful, but like, are they truly happy? Do they wake up every morning and go to bed every night being happy? Um, and happiness is, is pretty important to me. So I, I can totally understand and see that. Yeah. And, you know, on that same note, is there any unusual habit that you have or like an absurd thing that you absolutely love that 
answer that I give to this, which my listeners have heard multiple times, but it'll be new to you. I have this thing called the sub pack. So it's a backpack, almost looks like a little camelback, just a small mm-hmm. backpack you wear. You plug it to your phone and you do Bluetooth and mm-hmm. then you put headphones on. When you play a song, it reproduces the bass like you're at the front of a concert and there's the biggest you know sound system you ever had that just hit you. It like shakes your body in relation to the bass note that's being played. Oh, Super is that cool? Is that like 4D it's called? It's called like, Sub Pack. It's a, actually a music producer backpack that you wear it. so you can design bass or, or do sound design and not upset your neighbors. <laughs> got it, got it. Um, um, but I love it. It totally gets me into state. Like it's so much more impactful when I listen to a song and I use that than just regular headphones. Right. Because uh, that's what kind of people go to concerts or shows for. It's, it's for the bigger sound system with the, with the sub and the bass and everything. Right. And so... That's something I love. Is there anything, you know, kind of absurd or like random or funny, you know, just kind of having fun with life that you just love? I mean, I listen to music all day, every day. Like, you know, I love rap. When I was younger, I, I wanted to be Eminem. So, you know, I'm walking to meetings and pitches and I got my headphones in and I'm listening to music and I'm getting pumped up and I'm super yeah. excited, you know, but in terms of other than that, I mean, I don't think so. I would um, love the sub pack then. <laughs> yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to check it out. It's called sub pack. Yeah, sub pack. I'll send you a link. I'll send you yeah, a link. This, this podcast, from that question, this podcast has become like a pitch for a sub pack. I've mentioned it so many times and everyone's okay. like, I want one. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to check it out. Uh, yeah. So I have a question about bad recommendations. What bad recommendations do you hear given to real estate professionals? From other real estate Any, professionals? Anyone. Other real estate professionals, Facebook groups, mentors, coaches, like, you know, what bad recommendations do you hear? I try to say that, you know, I, I don't know if I hear anything bad. Like, I mean, I see a lot of like memes that are like stupid and I see sometimes, you know, people like maybe saying you, you stuck like me buying, like buying into to memes or misinformation. Yeah. Maybe stuff like that or brokers just giving bad advice to their clients, like telling them that they need to pay full price when the apartment's been on the market for, you know, two years or saying the market's down when it's really up or vice versa. I mean, it's, it's pretty easy to get your real estate license. You know, there's a lot of people that wake up in the morning, especially with COVID and a lot of people are out of work. A lot of people, I mean, I get DMs probably 10 a week from people saying, Hey, I just got my real estate license. Like, can I work for you? You know? And I think that it's just because the, the barrier to entry is so easy. I think you really need to be careful of who you hire to find you a property. You know, you need somebody that knows the market and knows they're constantly doing deals and they're constantly looking at places and, and their friends are real estate brokers versus, you know, non real estate brokers, because that's where you get the most information. When the real estate brokers all know each other, everyone's connected, you're going to get the look on the new property that hasn't hit the market yet. And you're going to be able to share that with your client. They're going to be like, Oh my God, I want this. And I mean, two weeks Mm -hmm. ago, I had a buyer, we've been working with him for probably six months and he knew exactly what he wanted. And we showed him probably three or four places. And then the fifth place we sent him, it wasn't listed. A friend of ours sent it to us, said she was listing it. We showed it to him. He was like, I love it. And we got him like 50 grand off the asking price on an apartment that probably would have sold for 10% over the ask had it gone to market. But, you know, we were able to structure the deal where we got it for him. They didn't list it. We signed a contract before it went into the market and, you know, we got him what I think is a great deal. So it's really about those relationships that a broker has. And if you, if you're working with a broker, 
that doesn't really have those relationships, you're going to be less advantaged than somebody who's working with a broker who's been doing the business for five, 10 years and has these connections. Yeah. But, you know, kind of going back to your question about what bad advice, I mean, I think the worst advice is like, you know, when I've been negotiating with brokers, they're like, oh, the market's really bad. And I'm like, no, the market's actually really good. So that's probably like the worst advice I've heard, you know, and that costs properties, you know, when a broker is telling their buyer that the market's not good and they should expect a 20% discount, then when they go to offer 20% off the asking price and they lose the property, the broker's the one that's going to get yelled at. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. You got to have those external factors and the, the truth about the market, you know, using data, not just a broker's opinion against which is, by the way, totally against what most people are saying right now, right? right but exactly. yeah, I, I, to- I totally agree with that. And, you know, I'm curious about the last five years of your career. Has it, there been any new belief, behavior, or habit that has most improved your life? It's interesting. The people, the partners that I used to work with, the people that I used to work with, I've learned a lot from them. I've kind of gotten rid of bad habits and I've developed good habits. But I worked at so many different brokerages and I've had so many different mentors that I've kind of tried to learn all the good from them, but really just to kind of, you know, calm down a little bit, you know, and know when to turn, when to turn it on and when to turn it off and just kind of learning more information and getting more information and and being able to kind of send that information to the client in a digestible manner that they can understand it. That's the main thing. Um, And also just being myself because, you know, I've worked with people before who are like, kind of fake and you know they don't want to be themselves and what i've learned is the clients that work with me they they want to work with me because i'm who i am and i don't have to pretend to be somebody i'm not to get a listing or to get a buyer you know you either like me or you don't like me and if you don't Mm -hmm. like me there's 30 something thousand brokers in new york city and miami that you can go work with so that's kind of the main takeaways that i've i've gotten over the last five years yeah that's a big one being yourself i've helped a lot of brokers grow their Instagrams and I've studied a lot of influencers and, you know, I've talked with a lot of them. And it's funny because the curve of content goes, you know, they're trying to replicate what used to work. And then, you know, what has worked in the past, they're trying to like regurgitate it and it's not them. Right. And then they get to a level where they don't care anymore. And all of a sudden when they're themselves, it actually is the content that resonates the most Yeah. because they're no longer trying to be someone else. And right. My top clients, all of them I can think of, they are 100% themselves everywhere they go. Yeah. I used to think that, you know, they would walk in and this was like the meeting version of them when they're in a meeting. But then I would, you know, go on listing appointments with them just for a little bit of research, development, field training, whatever it was at the time. Right. This is before I got my license. And they're the same person there meeting a new potential listing. And, you know, then I would have dinner, have the fortune of, growing relationships over years with clients and having dinner with them and their, their families. And they're the same person there, <laughs> you know? So right. the, the ones who have achieved a hundred million plus in, in gross annual transactions, you know, they're the ones who are themselves everywhere they go, super comfortable with it, but they yeah. also know their stuff. Yeah. They also really know their stuff and, and everyone knows it. They can be candid and, and funny and, and over the top or whatever it is. Because right. everyone knows when it comes down to it, they get the job done. Exactly. That's yeah. all they care about. That's right. Yeah. So with a lot going on, you know, you have a team in Miami, you have a team in New York, uh, you're now licensed in Connecticut. You have a lot going on. Is there anything that you do when you feel overwhelmed to get back on track? 
take a bath. <laughs> Love bubble really? baths. Yeah. <laughs> bubble baths are the best. Super relaxing. It's really hard to like turn my phone off. So like I'll take my I'll take my phone in my in the bath and make phone calls. But it's just, you know, that's that's relaxing. I love that's to awesome. eat. Yeah, I love to eat. But yeah, I mean taking a bath, like after a long day, you know, and I'm stressed, like maybe I lost a deal or you know, what happens. Yeah, it's take a bath with some bubbles and just, you know, relax. I think you know? that was the answer to the question, is there an absurd thing that you love? Yes. That was that. I'm, I'm a big bath guy. Love the bath. <laughs> like I've closed some big deals in the bath too. <laughs> where people are like, what's that sound? Like, and I'm like, oh no, nothing. I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm on the couch, but it's really like yeah. the running. So that's bath. awesome. Yeah. Not the answer that I thought you were going to say, <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. but super cool. Yeah. That, that works for you. That gets you into a relaxed state. You know, you yeah. can get grounded. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, I can't drink, so it's, yeah, bubble baths. Yeah, bubble. that's cool. Yeah. Uh, what's one of the best investments you ever made? The best investment I ever made was kind of like believing in myself. And, you know, mm. for the longest time, this team that I have, um, it's about two years old, my own team. Before that, I always worked for other people. And, you know, I kind of always felt like I needed the other person I was working with. You know, I, I always relied on them. I kind of like, mm -hmm. they were like my crutch. and after it didn't work out with them, I was kind of like, what am I going to do? And I was just like, I'm going to make my own team. And I, and I had interviewed with a lot of other people, a lot of top brokers. And at the end of the day, I was like, I'm going to do my own team. Like I'm 30 years old and I did it. And I believed in myself, you know, and same with my sobriety. You know, I believed in myself. I, I'm sober, you know, my relationships. But I would say the biggest investment is, is in myself. And that's probably the biggest investment. It is the and biggest the investment. Although I did invest in Dogecoin, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So that's, it's been pretty helpful, <laughs> but, um, but myself is definitely the answer. Cool. Yeah. Well, is there a question that I should have asked you or anything from earlier that you'd like to elaborate on? Not really. I think, I think we hit them all, right? Yeah. It, no, it was, you, uh, have was, other, you have any other questions? Yeah. I mean, I got a couple more, but uh, I think that this is a great episode already. We will do... We'll do one more bonus question for the Let's listeners. Fire away. So what's your process for evaluating what to say no to? Kind of just like time versus money and, you know, the cost of doing that versus what else could I be doing? And again, there's, there's things I can't say no to, right? Like a good friend wants to rent an apartment and, you know, you have a good relationship with them and they say, Hey, can you help me? And it's kind of like, okay, I can show you, you know, $2,000 a month apartments, but I could also be speaking to 10 other people, but it's, it's really about doing the right thing. And the right thing is to, you know, help the friend out. I try not to say no. And if I say no, I try to kind of come up with an alternative. So I don't really know if I have a, a necessarily like a process but I try as more, the more deals that I have, I mean, I have $75 million in listings, you know, between New York and Miami. So, you know, my time is, is precious. I have things that I have to do, but I try to make accommodations as best I can, whether it's I'm helping somebody, I have a team member on my team kind of helping with the minutia and I'm kind of handling the, the communications, but really I try not to say no. You know, I try to help everybody. You know, if I can't help them, I'll refer them to somebody, but the goal is to say yes as much as you can and, and help as many people as possible. So, yeah. I love that. That makes sense. And opportunity cost was, you know, what the answer distilled down to. Right. In opportunity cost, however, taking into account 
the heavier weight of friend and family relationships. Yeah. Which is key because I think in terms of opportunity cost as well, but at the end of the day, my fiance asked me to do something and it's not the perfect opportunity cost ratio to where I could, you know, oh, I could pay someone else to do that. But she right. asked me to do it. I'm going to go do it. Right. <laughs> because she asked me to do it and she expects me to do it and I'm not going to outsource that. Right. <laughs> so yeah, I, I totally hear you on that. So how can listeners contact you? Um, you can contact me on Instagram, Philip Scheinfeld, or you can email me at philip at compass.com. Philip with one L. Awesome. And I'll link to that below in the show description. Awesome. Philip Scheinfeld, everyone. Thank you so much for being here. Awesome Compass team in multiple states. You know, you're doing some significant volume. Super cool guy. You know, you're totally yourself and you, I know you like to have fun. Love that you're sober as well. So thank you so much for being on. This is a great episode. Yep. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free ultimate real estate goal setting framework. The link is in the description of the show and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.